So, God, I thank you so much. Father, truly thank you for those that are tuning in online, for those that are here in this room. Father, uh, you know that the enemy would work in such a way where there is a billion excuses not to be in this moment. Um, And so, Father, I count it a blessing that your Holy Spirit has moved where every viewer, no matter their location, is here viewing, and it's not by accident. You have brought them here. Father, you are why we exist. And so, Father, it is a privilege that just a fellow sinner turned saint on the same journey that they are on gets to be up here and talking about your powerful word. Um, So, Father, would you speak to us this morning? Would you encourage us? And, Father, would this moment go far beyond just one hour on a Sunday? We love you, Jesus, in your powerful name. Amen. Transparently, uh, I don't really feel uh, prepared for this moment. Uh, typically, I have, uh, I have habits throughout my week that help me get into God's word and prepare a sermon. Uh, this week, uh, that was all blown to crap. And, uh, and so on Monday, I was out of my house by 6.30. I didn't get home uh, until 8.30 in the evening. And during the day, I had a whole slew of meetings, all good things. Uh, but I was, uh, only had about an hour and a half to prepare. And, uh, and then I picked up Graham Wilson at 4.30 in the morning on Tuesday. Uh, and we drove to Troy, New York. It's not a place that many people visit, uh, but it's a cool little city, I, I have to admit. And, uh, but we were there for a church planting assessment to be assessors, looking at other people, looking to start churches. It is 14-hour days with a little gap here and there to work on sermon stuff. Uh, and so I have to be honest, even though Sunday comes every seven days and it's not a surprise, uh, I don't necessarily feel ready for this moment. Have you ever felt unprepared for a moment you knew was coming? Have you ever felt unprepared for for a moment that you knew was coming, you felt maybe leading up to it, you were prepared, but then the magnitude of the moment left you feeling unprepared, lonely, and fearful. You're surrounded by people helping you pack your car for the move, yet you feel so lonely. It's the new job that you knew was coming. You knew the promotion was coming, but when the, when, the, when the pressures of the job came, we wanted to take shortcuts. Today, I want us in this how-to series to look at somebody that had a crazy moment before them. I want to walk in this person's sandals and learn how to embrace the moment. How to step into the moment when really the moment is of such magnitude. How could you possibly feel prepared? We're going to be in Joshua chapter 1 today. Joshua is the leader that took over from Moses. Most people on planet earth have heard the name Moses for good reason. He's the one that brought the, the Egyptians that were, or the, the Israelites that were in slavery in Egypt. He's the one that, that held the stick and said, part the seas. And he's the one that said, let my people go. And the, all those things, crazy things. And Joshua served under him. But Moses has come to pass. And now it's time for somebody to take over. There's been this promise since Abraham that the, the Israelites, God's chosen people, are going, are going to have this promised land. They've been wandering for years, and, and now they're, they're, they're right on the border of this land that has been promised to them throughout the ages. 
But Moses, their leader, is dead. But, but Joshua, this isn't a surprise. They knew, they knew that, Joshua, that, that Moses and the people, that they had sinned and that it was going to be the next generation that was going to go into the promised land. So that, none of that's a surprise. They knew Joshua himself, he's one of 12 scouts that went into the land. Two of them came back and said, we must take the land. He's seen it, fortified, big old people. But it's, it's, it's green and it's, it's good. With God, we can overtake it. He's one of two people that came back with that sort of faith. And so here's how our, our story begins in Joshua chapter 1 with all of his relatives that disobeyed, buried dead in the sand. And now it's him to move forward. It says this, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. Wouldn't we all love that title? Moses had that title. Uh, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, so, so this is now the opening of the book, and he's addressing Joshua in front of the whole nation to build confidence both for Joshua and the nation, that there is a, a, a leadership vacuum in the land, and Joshua, you're going to step into it. I'm going to say it. So God speaking to give Israel a confidence, because this moment, if you were to walk in the Israelites' sandals for a second, their leader that they've known for some time, is dead. They've seen God do crazy things, but for for many of them, most of them, the majority of them, they've heard of God doing crazy things at this point. Sure, he parted water. Sure, we escaped Egypt, but but do you know where we're going? And then there's Joshua. He's an assistant to Moses. So Moses is like a mentor. Moses is like a boss, but they've done life together. Moses is also a friend. So if you're walking in Joshua's sandals, Joshua has, has lost a friend, a mentor, and a boss. So how is he to continue in the midst of such pain and hurt? Here's what, here's what God now says. Moses, my servant, is dead. Like, not flowery, not what you would say at a funeral. Like, God just is like, matter of fact, this is the case. Because how many of us ignore reality? How many of us get stuck, paralyzed, and sometimes we just need to embrace reality? Stop being paralyzed. Now, therefore, with this fact, now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them and the people of Israel. Every place that your soul of your foot will tread upon, I have given. Is that in the present tense? That's in the past tense. I have given to you, just as I promised Moses, from the wilderness uh, in this Lebanon, uh, as far as the great river, uh, the river of the Euphrates, he's laying out the land, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea towards, uh, towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. God doesn't waste any time with small talk. He tells it like it is. You knew this was coming. You knew Moses would not inherit the land. You knew the people would not inherit the land. You knew it was going to be a new leader and a new people. So you knew this was coming. Now embrace reality and move ahead. 
I'm going to give it to you. It is in the past tense. It's the promised land. This is good as done. But it's, you know what? It's like that Christmas gift you give to your kids, that birthday gift you give to your kids. It's theirs, but it comes with some instructions and some assembly. They have it, but they can't start playing with it right away. They have the promised land, and it's going to be hard. The assembly is not some nice little, like, you know, nice little instruction book. Like, it's going to be hard, and so will you do it? Is it going to be hard? Yeah, they're like, here, here's the promised land. Hey, God, did you know there's a giant river between us and the promised land? God, did you know that this time of year that river would be flood level, so it's dangerous? God, like, you're telling us, arise and go, but God, hey, God, 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 I've scouted the land. Jericho's the first city we're going to encounter, and that's a fortified city. God, like, they, 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 they have chariots going around the top there. Are, are you sure? Because at one point, God, God's going to ask Joshua to lead a whole nation through a river. <laughs> He's going to, hey, Joshua, the military, God's going to ask Joshua, you want a military, a military command? Here's how you're going to take Jericho. Walk around with trumpets. I'm going to give it to you. What? So, so what God is saying right from the beginning, this is going to be my moment, my way. Are you willing to listen? Are you going to do it my way? No one's going to be able to stand against you if you do it my way. I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. And then he begins, as if that wasn't enough, he begins to describe the land, which is encouraging. They have a whole slew of good land coming their way. But at the same time, wouldn't you hear, if you knew the geographic, the whole, like the nation of Israel, if you heard all of that, wouldn't you all of a sudden be paralyzed? Like, like we're a bunch of nomadic herders and this is going to be a crazy terrain. They're fortified. They know how to fight. They have better technology than we do. How in the world are, norm- are nomadic herders going to take this land? So God is saying all of this in the backdrop of fear. Yes, I know it's God. Yes, I know it's going to. God's got it. Yes, every Christian can say that in the midst of the moment until you have to put your foot into a river, until you have to walk around a city with a trumpet. Natural fear creeps in when the moment is in your face. Now, I understand that there is something in the pandemic water that has led to maybe a baby boom. I get it, okay? A lot of bored people at home, whatever. But when Ava and I had our first kid, we knew it was coming. It was a scheduled C-section. We knew the date was coming. We knew that when we got there, there were some medical things with my son Landon, who's now 10 years old, running the slides for his daddy as he preaches. Crazy. (laughs) Great clap. Not a boy. But in the moment, there were some medical things that, yeah, looking back, they weren't as big as it felt in the moment, but they were a big deal to us. And then the third day came where we knew we were leaving. I mean, the hour adjusted, because if you've ever been waiting, waiting to leave the hospital, you know, like they say, hey, you're leaving, and then you wait for five hours, like you're not anxious enough. And I remember in that moment, my wife, who's just given over to anxiety, she was a ball of anxiety, because it's like, hey, in a moment, the, the moment is we're going to have to leave with this child in a seat, and we're going to have to put that seat in a, in a, in a car, and we don't even know how to put a 
seat into the car, and we've never done this, and how are we going to figure this out? We have to bring my son home to our dog, Mongo, and what, like, we want them to meet each other and, and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, he's in, well, Mongo. <laughs> and, uh, and so we're, we're there, and, we're, and I just remember being so overwhelmed by the moment that we just, that whatever family was there, we got together and we prayed. And one of the distinct moments of the prayer that I can, like, I can really truly distinctly remember is saying, God, like, you're the God that parted the seas and went with the Israelites. God, you've been working throughout the ages, and you're still working now. Where you were with the Israelites doing the incredible, God, I know that you are with my wife and I as we leave this hospital. And just praying that, acknowledging that, helped us literally take steps out of the hospital with the confidence of God. It's those moments, it's that that excitement of the closing date that all of a sudden leads to the fear of having to pay your mortgage. It's the excitement of a, of, a, of a high school student. I got into my reach school, the, the, the school that's going to stretch me. I got in. And then it's the moment of, crap, they're going to push me, and this is going to be hard. It's the, the fear of the new job leading to, like the excitement of the new job leading to the fear of the new responsibilities. So as I thought through this, I, I'm not typically like this, but uh, so if this is your first time, don't get used to this, but, but here are just four how-tos for how to deal with fear. It's four antidotes that I think are, are, in, that are in this text, and I'm just going to say them quickly, uh, so take a picture with your phone or something, or tune in later and read it again, or what, I don't know, whatever, but here are four quick antidotes that when we are embracing a moment, I think can help us when fear is overwhelming us. First, we have a unique identity. We are a mission people. There is so much, so much in life that is up and down. You're not a child of the stock market. You're not a child of the government. You're not a child of your marriage. You're not a child of your children. You are, as Christians, a mission people. You are a child of God. Where God gives a vision for the mission that he is trying to accomplish Of course, my God who's able to supply everything is going to provide provision. If he's calling you into something, there's a reason for it. My God wants to accomplish something for you. You are a child of God. The second element of uh, antidote to fear is that you have a manual for success in God's word. That he, he didn't just say, here's a gift. Oh, and for a fun joke, I took away the manual. I hope you can figure out how to put it together. I know a lot of guys in the room would love that challenge, but God didn't do that. He said, here's a gift, here's a mission, and here's a manual of my word on how to go about it, how to be successful. You're not without knowledge. The third thing is that we have the body that we, that we get to hang together. That this church, the church at large, is a benefit to Christians. That Ava and I didn't walk through a complicated pregnancy alone. That when I was trying to sell my whole house, I, I didn't have to pack up my home and unpack my home all by my lonesome. That people came around. When there is a miscarriage, when there is a divorce, when there is an X, Y, Z, so many people on planet Earth have to navigate those things alone, not for the church. May it never be so. 
when you're dealing with your addictions, when you're dealing with whatever would keep you maybe from God, it's the church that says there is a better way. It is a gift to fight the fear of navigating this world that we have as Christians. And then fourth thing is that we have the powerful presence. We have a living God. He says, I'm going to give you every piece of the land. Then Jesus comes to earth. He's crucified. He, raises, he rises from the grave. Forty days later, he goes up to heaven. And once the, one of the last things he says to the, all the people, lo, I am with you always. So what God is calling you into, he's not calling you into it to walk alone. So here's, what, here's how we continue now on in, in this text. He says, now, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause the people to inherit the land that I swore to their forefathers to give them. This is the moment. This is the time. Only be strong and very courageous, be, being careful to do, every, to do according to the law that Moses, my servant, commanded. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success. You can have good success wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it. Think deeply about it. Put rigorous study into it. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Then you shall make your way prosperous. For you shall make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God is commanding a strong person, Joshua. We've seen, if you know of Joshua, you know his character is strong. And he's commanding now a strong leader to lead a scared people. You have to move ahead strong and courageous. There are battles coming your way that if you are not careful to do it my way, you will fail. The one time they sin, steal a little bit of goods from a city that God said, don't steal a little bit of goods from, they then go into the next battle, a, a bunch of like, people that shouldn't beat them and they get their butts kicked. Do it my way and here is what you will experience. So again, this is kind of against like, this isn't typically how I preach, but here's what I wanted to do. Because there's a lot in this text. Landon, go, yes, there you go, commands. This is it all laid out for us so that we can see it on one screen. God is commanding a lot of things to the people of Israel, and many of which we should still be acting in ourselves. Arise, go over to the Jordan. Be strong, be courageous. Be careful to the, you see all the law and the word of God elements in the middle here? Be careful to do according to the law. Do not turn from the word. You shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on the law. Don't be frightened. Don't be dismayed. So there's a lot there that is like, should we handle the word of God with such excellence? Should we, should we rigorously look at this? Because it's so easy to be like, oh, God tells me to love. And if I don't really dig into how God loves, we're gonna love like the world. And it's going to be so shallow. So to dig in, man, God's commanding a lot here. But then he, he makes some promises. Landon, go to the next one. It promises, I'm giving you the land. Every place you touch your foot is yours. No one will be able to stand against you. Woo! Against all the days of your life. I was with Moses. It was really cool. I'm going to be with you too. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. The Lord is with you. So follow me. Do these commands, do it my way, and guess what? I, the Lord your God, am going to meet you with some pretty, insanely awesome promises. And so the results of obedient living, 
when, when God's way is meeting God's moment, when we do it God's way and we lean into the moment, what's the result? Success. Prosperous. You're, this is going to work out. Does that mean a new, a new car in your driveway? No, it means that you're going to be able to walk around Jericho with trumpets and see the walls come down. Does it mean that you're never going to have to battle? No, you're going to fight people that are said to be as numerous as the sand on the sea. And I am going to win the battle. You do it my way and you will experience success and prosperous. You will be prosperous. So how are, is one to be strong and courageous? How are you to walk out of here being strong and courageous? It's, it's really, honestly, pretty simple. Do it God's way. Dig into the word of God. Live the word of God. Live it by doing it. Live it in your speech. Live it in your thought. Know God's word to know how God wants you to attack the battle. Know that as you move forward, you have the presence of God. Joshua, without me, you have everything to fear. But with me, you have nothing to fear. Israel, guess what? It is safer for you to be in the desert where your relatives are buried than to go. It's not, I'm sorry. It is not safer <laughs> to be in the desert where your relatives are buried. It is safer for you to take the promised land where I am in your midst. So be careful to move forward, meaning move forward. So this is a picture of, of my, uh, my daughter, myself, and Ava is like right here. Uh, she took the picture of, uh, of us playing Jenga the other night. Uh, I told you guys last week I'm grounded, so I've been playing a lot more of the family games because there's nothing else to do. And uh, so we we're playing Jenga. Uh, I am under the school of thought that you never let your kids win at anything. Uh, they earn every victory, so it's sweet when they, when they win. Uh, so we played three games. I never lost. And, uh, and so, but Jenga, my, the boys didn't play with us. I don't know. I think they were actually at baseball. Uh, Jenga is a funny game where you're trying to build something, and you do have to be careful. Maybe not as careful on the front end, but you have to be careful as it gets you know, further, further down, and careful, careful to a, you know, a five-year-old is different than careful to a 37-year-old, but if you want to win, if you want to keep building, every step you become careful with, and this could be an epic fail in the midst of a stage in front of people watching online and all those things, but you just keep building. My boys didn't have to be careful because they weren't playing the game. Reagan didn't really care to win, uh, so she wasn't that careful because it wasn't like, okay, this is just fun with mom and dad. If you don't care about winning, you don't have to be careful. If you don't care to play, you don't have to be careful. If you don't care about this falling apart and you actually enjoy this falling apart, you certainly don't have to be careful. But if you want to be in the game and if you want to win and you want to build, you have to to be careful. You have to be actually increasingly careful as you build. I think that is what God is saying to Joshua. We're going to build something great. No, I'm going to build something great through you. Be careful to do it my way or it all is going to fall apart. We have a value for all Christians here that says daily surrender. 
this is a value that shows us that we have to be full of care, that we have to care every single day to do it God's way, that, that we would wake up and the how-to is, God, what do I need to surrender over to you? Where, do you, where can I do better to, to have, to, to, for you to be, oh man, God, I want your pleasure in my life. God, I want your direction in my life. God, do, you know what? Do I even care to do it your way? And so we, we have engaged with God where we, where we interact with God on a daily basis where we study his word. And then it leads to daily surrender where we're saying, God, when you ask me to walk around a city with trumpets, I'm going to do it. God, when you ask me to put a a foot into the water that's at flood level, I'm going to do it. It's daily surrender that says, I want to learn your word, but I want to care to apply your word. We need more people that know God's word, but even more people willing to apply God's word. Do you care to apply? That would mean that you then care to surrender it over to him. It's in daily surrender that we recognize that delayed obedience is disobedience. That that here we're saying, God, what are you inviting me into? Because here, every concept in here is true for you and I. But God will call me to be the pastor of this church. He hasn't asked that to you. If I said no to that, that's disobedience for me. So this is true for all of us. But then are we inclined to hear the Holy Spirit and to know God is calling me uniquely into a mission that he has for me, a mission for the Great Commission that is uniquely for you. And are you delaying? Are you saying no? Here's our big thought for this experience. What I think is screaming through this text is three simple words. Obedience nurtures confidence. What is God calling you into? Take a step, and you'll find that second step is a little easier. Take a step, and you'll find that that third step is a little easier. Take another step, and you'll find it gets a little bit easier. And you'll find that when God is asking you to walk around Jericho with trumpets, that you can look back and say, well, I took a step of obedience where he parted some water. I can do this. It's one step after another that when God calls you to be obedient, you have found a new level of confidence. The outside world calls us crazy. So let's embrace that for a second. We are crazy. We should be crazy obedient and crazy confident. We as Christians should be crazy obedient and crazy confident. Be strong and courageous to do whatever I am calling you into because if I call you into it, I have a purpose for you, and I will meet you there. Obedience should be our consuming obsession. Now, I wanted to play this clip. Uh, I can't. It's a a movie from, uh, I think, 2004, maybe, uh, Men of Honor. If you saw that movie, it won awards. It's a a scene where uh, 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 Coop... Cuba Gooding Jr. Uh, is, is, uh, is the first black man. It's a, historical, it's a historical movie, an accurate movie, a true story, where he's looking to be the first uh, diver for the Navy. He fights a black diver for the Navy. He gets in, uh, and he has to go through a whole bunch of hurdles with the racism back in the day uh, with, uh, with, uh, the, in, the, in the Navy. And, uh, and so he's fighting that. He's, he's moving forward. He's getting knocked down. He's moving forward. He's getting knocked down. But then he does something incredible and heroic, and he gets injured in the process where he makes a decision where, where he, has to, he has to have his leg amputated, and he becomes a, uh, he becomes a paralytic, and he has, a, a, you know, the fake leg and, and whatnot. But he still wants to dive. But they're not allowing him to be reinstated 
because this has never happened, and they're not even giving him a chance. But finally he gets a chance, and, and towards the end of the movie, he's sitting in a, in, a, in a Navy courtroom, and one of the people he met early on in his Navy career is standing there, and here's the thing that he had to do. He had to prove that he could take 12 steps with very heavy gear on him. If you remember that scene, it's a powerful scene of like, give me my 12 steps. I would love to show it to you, but Zuckerberg would take our thing offline, and so I can't show it to you. Uh, But uh, if you remember the scene, he stands up and he's wobbling because it's heavy gear. He has one leg that is made of metal, and it's, give me my 12 steps. He takes six with actually relative ease of sorts, but then you, you can hear that crack, like, oh, crap. He he catches himself, and he takes the seventh one. And then his commanding officer is telling everybody else to stand down. This is my scene. You're going to listen to me. And he starts yelling out Navy code. Give me my 12 steps. Give me my 12 steps. Each one. Each one with great might and great feet. And you, and you know, you remember, if you remember watching this, and if you just know that if they're going to make a Hollywood movie out of something, you know he's going to accomplish the 12 steps. And he gets there on that 12th one, standing face to face with his officer. And they reinstate him. He goes back and he has this incredible career, I think, for, I think that historically about nine more years as a Navy diver. He overcome the obstacles He was tempted to sit on the sidelines, but he didn't want to. He wanted to be reinstated, and it led to that moment where he had to take 12 very hard steps. Have you been on the sidelines? Is today that moment to be reinstated? Have you known that, hey, when I said delayed obedience is disobedience, you just, you walked in here. I don't know your story. But maybe you walked in here with that moment of like, God's been asking me. I know he's been nudging for me to to talk to this person at my workplace. I know that he's been nudging me to do this at Wellspring. I know that he's been nudging me to do this in a relationship. I know that he's been nudging me that there's this thing in my life that should not be there. And it's time to carefully remove it, to build the life that God wants me to live. How are we to be successful as Christians? It's allow God to motivate you with his love, driving you to a place of obedience. If you want to be obedient for obedience sake, great. We'll have a world full of Pharisees. But if you are so overwhelmed by the God who walks with you every step of the journey, you will find success as you lean into the moment, doing it God's way. A few weeks ago, I got done Bible survey with uh, Melissa Adams and, and Todd, my neighbor. And uh, it was an incredible time. It was like uh, six or seven weeks, eight weeks or something like that. And, uh, and one of the big things that they mentioned to me throughout this Bible survey, looking at the Old Testament and the New Testament, I think it's eight weeks, and uh, was that, you know, it's just so cool to see God working throughout the ages. So, God, so cool to see God, the God of the Bible, still active and alive today. That the God that, that parted seas and moved, you know, moved the walls, the God that, you know, did the whole flood thing, or how did that happen? I don't know, but it happened. And how did, you know, X, Y, Z. The God that did that is still alive and active and still on mission for us today. And it drove them to a better understanding of God and how he's working throughout all the pages of Scripture. So maybe I, when I was saying, like, how the word is a focus, maybe for us, we're looking at this and saying, okay, I want to make the word a focus, but... This big old book confuses me a little bit. 
And so here's my closing challenge to you all. Would you sign up for Bible survey? Do it by yourself. Do it with a friend. Do it as a couple. It's going to be on Monday nights after Easter. Uh, Sam and Rebecca Pinkava are going to lead it. Sam is, I find him to be the most interesting man alive. Uh, he is beating me in the NCAA bracket right now because he found a mathematician that did a bracket and he stole it and he's beating me. And I said, fine, if I'm going to lose to anybody, I'll lose to the mathematician through you. And, uh, but he is super interesting. I know he will be digging into this and sharing with you guys all sorts of interesting factoids. <laughs> but it's going to help you see God moving throughout the ages. And at the end of the day, when you see God moving throughout the ages, we're going to close with a song called Last Word. It will present us and prepare us to have, let God have the last word in our lives. So that's my challenge. Today, sign up for Bible survey. Make it the biggest thing we've ever done here at Wellspring Church, allowing us to lead into the moment. Sing with me.